Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome to Between the Links. Your host, Mike Heck. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a special edition of Between the Links here on MMAfighting.com. I am Mike Heck. There is no full show this week. We decided to give everyone a well-deserved rest, give uh, the media members a rest from me bugging them and saying, you want to come on the show? You want to come on the show? And we'll ring in 2021 in a big way. And we're going to take a little ride on the Between the Links omnibus this week. We're going to take a look back at some of the best knockout rounds on the program in 2020. There's 10 of them. We're going to go back and take a and relive, so to speak, basically. And you know this if you've watched or listened to the program. The knockout round is the round that decides the game every week. And it's always pressure packed. It's always fun. The participants, they never know what the question is until seconds before they go off their gut, off the top of their dome. And it's just always fun and entertaining. So wanted to take a look back at the pressure packed moments of the program in 2020. But before we get to those 10 knockout rounds, I do want to take this time and say thank you to everybody who has given the show a chance. Some people jumped on it right away. They remembered it from multiple iterations earlier on in my career. Others, it took some doing which I understand some haven't completely bought into it yet. I get that as well, and that's totally okay. But to, to, to everybody who has checked out the program this year, that's digging what we're doing. It means the world. Because listen, getting here to MMA fighting in March, trying to fill the shoes of those many people that were left before me, those massive shoes, is not possible to do. It's impossible. And sometimes early on, I felt the pressure. But... What I learned along the way is that you all gave me the chance to just be me, and I appreciate that so much. Like, I wake up every day, hang out with my kid, eat breakfast, kiss my wife, and then I get to come downstairs and Command Center 2.0 and just talk to the talk about the sport I love with cool people, listen to them debate it. It's just awesome. And I feel like we have the best team in MMA media right now. Like, we check all the boxes, and I feel like some people believe that as well some people aren't sure of that yet i feel like 2020 especially with all the changes and all the chaos it's been a year of like building a foundation like the house isn't up yet but i feel like the concrete has been poured and it's going to be a pretty cool house and then 2021 is the year that everything comes together we we build everything we put the flooring down put all the furniture in there the, the, the house is just going to come together. Like I feel like that's what 2021 is going to be. I'm very excited for what's to come in this next year for this show, for everything in and out of the world of mixed martial arts, for the site, everything. Because 2020 was crazy in a lot of ways. It was awful. In some ways, it was really good. I mean, 
I'm a, I'm a silver linings kind of guy. I feel like I'm a positive thinker. 2020, not good, but there were some cool things that happened. But 2021, hopefully we could start this rebuilding process together. And I'm really excited about that. But before we turn the page, 2020 is not over yet. So let us take a look back at some of the best knockout rounds of the year on Between the Links, because this is the only time you're going to hear from me in this episode. So we're going to go right to the clips and stick with the clips from start to finish, which includes, as you'll see, the very first knockout round from our very first show. That's what's going to kick us off. And then you'll see the final one of the year. And then 2021 Between the Links, we're going to be off and running. But again, thank you so much. Happy New Year and enjoy the best knockout rounds of 2020 on Between the Links. UFC president Dana White, Alex, and ESPN host Dan Lebetard, they had a nice little heated debate on uh, the Dan Lebetard show last week. And in the end, for some god-awful reason, they verbally agreed to a fight for charity. Now, we all know that this fight is never, ever going to happen. But for the sake of this program and its debut, Alex K. Lee, if you are the promoter tasked with the kind of fight this would be or the gimmick that would be attached to it, I don't know, UFC contract on a pole match or something like that. Put your Vince Russo hat on. Dana White versus Dan Lebetard. How are we doing this thing? I mean, I'm definitely booking this as a tag match that keeps uh, Dana and Dan, uh, Dan out of the ring as long, ring or cage or whatever <laughs> fighting area as long as possible. Are you? I'm a believer in the old booking of, of uh, emphasize your strengths and hide your weaknesses. So uh, Dan Lebetard obviously gets uh, Jorge Masvidal. He teams up with Masvidal. And then... Uh, Dana really can team up with whoever he wants. I mean, again, he's got he's got that whole roster. But he he gets to, Dana gets to pick a, a welterweight or at least someone in the 170, 155, 185 range. Dan Lebetard brings in uh, uh, Jorge Masvidal, and then uh, yes, that, that that's a little more of an interesting thing to me. Maybe you get Dana and Dan there for a, a little bit of a lockup, maybe some interference. Uh, someone's definitely getting hit with a chair, but uh, otherwise, no. I I have no interest. This is news to me. I did not I did not hear that uh, that challenge. So uh, yes, I would do a definitely do a pro pro wrestling style match. This is happening in a ring, not in the octagon. And Lebatard uh, and White are maybe getting five minutes of in ring time, and then you leave that you leave the rest of the heavy work to the big boys. The mixed tag approach from Alex Kaylee. Jose, how are you booking this thing? This is one of the, well, this is one hundred percent going to be Dan Leverhard versus Dana White in a professional wrestling match. It's going to be Poppy on a pole. Taking it right out of Vince Russo, of course. Dan Lebetard's <laughs> co-host Poppy uh, is 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 the most is the only reason to watch the Dan Lebetard show. I greatly respect Poppy. I love how he pronounces every single uh, Hispanic name correctly, uh, straight from Cuba too. So uh, much respect to Poppy and everything he's gone through and his pronunciation of, of names correctly. Unlike Alex, uh, I actually want Dana and Dan to be the mouthpieces. Oh, no, uh, they would be. Uh, the 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 managers uh, who then can take a bump or two and maybe scuffle on the outside of the ring, uh, but they would each get champions. Of course, Dana White would get the professional, uh, the fighter with professional wrestling experience, and that is you named it, Ronda Rousey. Uh, she is in is his champion, and I'll say uh, uh, Dan Lebetard gets the other female fighter who has actually called out AEW people, and that is Chris Cyborg. And we can finally see Ronda Rousey versus Chris Cyborg inside of a ring with Dana White outside and Dan Lebetard outside and Poppy stuck on a pole a la Vince <laughs> Russo. Uh, I can't remember who was on the pole who in the WCW days. G- was Judy it, uh, Bagwell. Yeah, Judy Bagwell. The precedent <laughs> is there. It's going to be in Florida where every, there are no rules. There's going to be Bowie knives everywhere like I found in Jacksonville. So there you go. That is the correct answer. 
Papiana Paul, Ronda Rousey versus Chris Cyborg, Dana White versus Dan Levitard. Point to Jose. I, wow. I, res- I respect the Cyborg Rousey stealth booking. Way to slip that one under the fence. Uh, and listen, Jose, hold on. Listen, say what you want about my love of Limp Biscuit. Say what you want about my my horrible, horrible inability to grow facial hair. You leave you leave my try hard name pronunciation alone. Okay, you Bill, Billy Billy Quarantillo. I'm sorry, Quar- he pronounces his name wrong too. Billy Quarantillo, Ryan Benoit, Ryan Benoit. Hey Alex, what's the last okay. letter of the alphabet? Clitson Clitson Abreu. Good luck with uh, that one, buddy. Don't even don't even try it. I don't want you to. We don't want you to have to go there. Clitson Abreu. Sure. Uh, Z. The last letter of the alphabet, of course, is Z. We all know that. Wow, the mighty Zed. Let us. Um, th- this is tough. This is a this is a good battle. But uh, as as people who have followed the show through all of its iterations, I don't like being the one who inflicts the decisions. I like to pass that on to somebody else to do so. So let us go to the truck to Casey Lydon. And Casey, what do you think? Who who won this battle? It was even going in. Now we're talking poppy on a pole and all sorts of craziness when we put these this Dana White versus Dan Levitard matchup together. Who wins the inaugural episode of Between the Links? Jose Youngs. Jose Youngs gets the win. What a battle it was. There you have Alex. it. First show is in Alex. the books. We have our first winner. Alex, you want to touch it? You earned it. You want to touch it, Alex? You earned it. Hard work paid <laughs> off for you. So here is the question, but Jose, Kristen, it's not really a question in the end, since all of our loyal watchers and listeners like to call me Dana White's son or Dana White's little brother. Allow me, if you will, to encompass that role for a moment. So right now, I'm not Mike Heck. I'm another bald guy with a crap ton more money who is the president of the biggest fight organization on planet on planet Earth. And it's rare that actual MMA media members get one-on-one time with me these days. And today, you get 60 seconds to say anything you want to me, whether it's making a point about anything in the sport, maybe a particular aspect that you want changed, or maybe you want to tell me how great I am or how good my my light blue shirt looks. Either way, you have one minute to get it all out there. So we're going to set the timer. It's already there for one minute. Get ready. Get set. Go. Well, first of all, Dana White, wear a tie when you're on camera. Well, nothing bothers me more than grown men who wear shirts suits and no tie it is in, it is personally infuriating me yeah you you're a billionaire wear a tie look professional second of all uh all of these fighters that want to fight you and you're like oh we can put an octagon you think you're gonna pass a usada test i don't think so dana way i've seen you on the, the the men's men's fitness men's health uh covers don't think you saw it is don't think you saw it knocking on you saw it knock on your door you're not getting away from that one second of all third of all answer a question when i say uh what's next for so and so don't say isn't espn great i'm like no that's not what i ask guy i ask you what's next for so and so don't say oh uh joe joe silva is this and that like that's not what i asked i asked uh for what's next for sean o'malley and and fourth, open the books. I would like to know why you're spending $10,000 on vacations, but you're also paying fighters 10, 10, and 10. All right. That is my time. Time is up. Time is up. And I'm going to answer your question the way Dana White would say it. I've said this a million times already. <laughs> We're in a pandemic, Jose. We're in a pandemic. Oh, okay. Kristen, I mean, that's, that's his answer to a lot of different things. So we got 60 seconds from Jose Young's. Kristen King. It is now your turn. 
60 seconds on the clock, one minute on the bottom right-hand corner of your screen, and go. Dana White, I can appreciate what you've done for the sport as far as the global pandemic has gone, but please be open to more criticism. You have to realize that putting on fight cards seem like the most insane idea ever. And just the fact that you pushed back against it so hard was kind of hard to watch. But in the end, you ended up doing great. I I'm happy that you did it. You kind of find found your stride when it came to the fight cards. That's great. Second, please. Let's have an open conversation about better pay for the fighters. If you're saying that this is not a career, this is more of an opportunity, wouldn't you want to give your fighters the best opportunity to make the most money possible and retire with a good chunk of change? I think you should be more open to that. We should be more open to getting these fighters the money they deserve, especially when it comes to like licensing. If you guys are going to re-sign Reebok or get a new deal with Nike, make sure your athletes get paid. Listen to the athletes. They know what they want. They know what they're worth. Give it to them, please. Wow. There you have it. I'm not Dana White anymore. I, I don't <laughs> want to be Dana White right now because you guys uh, you guys torched them. What can I say? And uh, I agree with Jose. <laughs> Tie with the suit. Tie with the suit. Come on now. But uh, good stuff. No one. Yes. But now I get to sit back, relax, and send it on over to the truck to judge E. Casey Lydon, the man with the golden gavel, to render the final decision. So, Judge Lydon, what is your verdict? <sighs> I, was I was hoping for a knockout. I didn't want to have to go to the cards. I didn't want to do this. All right, let me tally this up. All right, all right, all right. This is a tough one. You had the tie, you had the fighter pay, and uh, Reebok money. <laughs> and new, between the links, interim champion, <laughs> Jose Youngs. Oh, man! Wow! I, I, Casey, well done. I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. Jeez, Louise. Oh, I am sweating. I am sweating. Wow. This has been a crazy year for everybody. For all of us, for the UFC, for the sport in general. However, the UFC has moved forward with a lot of cards, a lot of fights, pay-per-views, etc. AK, we are approaching August. So my question is, through seven full months of action in 2020, who is right now the 2020 Fighter of the Year and why? 60 seconds on the clock. Go. Oh, my goodness. What a question uh, that, again, normally I would require a lot of research. <sighs> the clock is ticking. Correct. I'm just I'm just building up trauma at this point. Gosh, if I had to go, can, can, are we allowed to project ahead? What, how, however you was so far. Yeah, you've wasted 20 Look, seconds thinking I, about it. No, it's fine. Look, I like uh, I like Kamar Usman. All right, I know uh, that that the the Jorge Masvidal match was more about uh, Masvidal than it was about Usman. But uh, look, there's all these storylines swirling around Usman with like Colby Covington rivalry, you know, beating Woodley last time, and then and then fighting Masvidal. This guy is on his way, I think, to becoming one of the greatest welterweights of all time, and not just based on his uh, his record and who he's beaten. When you watch him. He's really revealing a lot about just what a great fighter he is. So I, I have to give him all the credit in the world for that because he keeps saying, I, I, I'm Canadian. I hate I hesitate to call anyone the next GSP. Five seconds. But if anyone is, is on their way to becoming the next GSP, man, it might be Usman. 
All right. Alex K. Lee going with Kamara Usman, maybe in a future sense. Jed, you got a minute to ponder this question. What do you think? Who is the 2020 fighter of the year to this point? I'm, I may take 30 seconds just to bask in, in Alex handing me the win. I mean, I don't know about you guys. I personally would not pick my fighter of the year as a guy who gave a largely just completely panned performance in what was a win and a tactical performance, but he didn't win no fans. Uh, however, I'm going to go with the guy he's fighting next because if the year stops today, Gilbert Burns has wins over Demi Amaya and Tyron Woodley. I mean, if you're just talking about what you've accomplished, that's it. I do think maybe there's an outside argument, honestly, for Kamzat uh, uh, Chimiev, just because of what he's done in the last 10 days. It's insane, and he's gonna get another fight in August, apparently. But I mean, Gilbert Burns has looked sensational since moving up, and he's looked even better just this year. He went from being an also-ran lightweight, he is now the number one contender with a bullet at welterweight, Five and he seconds. gets a chance to upset Kamaru Usman, who maybe is on his way to being the next GSP, or maybe he's on his way to being the third victim of Gilbert Burns. Oh man, Casey, the decision comes down to you. I don't know. This one seems maybe easy to me. What do you think, Judge Casey Lydon? Who is the champ? You know, I've had a bunch of stressful calls in the last few weeks, but it's nice. It's nice to have a week off. This is a, this is gonna be. <laughs> This is uh, this, this one's not too this one's not too difficult. Your winner and new Woo! Jed Mashiv. MMA fighting baby, yeah. And new, congratulations, sir. So my question is: the Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May seventeenth, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What can Dana White, the UFC, those involved with the Contender Series do to make this concept even better, even more successful than it is right now? Because we've seen the Ultimate Fighter over the years. First few seasons, we were like, yeah, this is great. But as it kept going on, started to lose some cachet, so to speak. It's kind of like... Roy Nelson of of reality television programs and fighting but 60 seconds on the clock what can we do to make the contender series better your time starts now Sean Rossap go I would like to see the UFC do some more of those like retribution seasons of ultimate fighter quite frankly I liked seasons like that a little bit more than ones where they brought on unknowns bring some guys back that are familiar bring some guys back in that manner Gerald Harris has been begging for a fight. He can't win outside the UFC these days. Put him on Contender Series. Maybe he gets a big win. Maybe he pile drives somebody through the mat or hits a rolling senton powerbomb or something because that's what he does. That's the way I would spice it up a little bit. Not just 
use names that are virtual unknowns. They, they've done it here and there, but use some names that are familiar to UFC fans that can then prop up some of these unknowns, get some eyes on some of these guys that have outstanding performances and knockouts. That way, whenever they tune into a UFC show and see a Dana White Contender Series product, they can be like, oh yeah, I remember him from when I watched uh, Gerald Harris hit a, a corkscrew 720 body slam on somebody. That's what I'd like to see. All right. Jed, same question for you. I don't know if you're a Contender Series guy or not, but if so, and if not, you here's your opportunity to make it better, Jed. Chance to make the MMA world a better place in 60 seconds. Your time starts now. So I'm sad I didn't choose to go first because usually you want to take that time to develop your answer. But I knew as soon as you asked what to say, and Sean, thankfully, just chose not to take the obvious choice. It's a one-night tournament. You make it a one-night tournament. That's it. It's a throwback to the old days. Uh, you add two more fights, so it's seven fights total. But it's a four, then a two, then a one. Whoever wins the tournament, UFC contract, cut, drive, we're done here. It's awesome. It actually builds the fighters better because you get a whole narrative, not just their win and some backstory. And it circumvents the issue of fighters getting injured and pulling out because they're fighting for a contract part of that just comes part and parcel with it so four fights the loser of those four fights get ranked in an order of who will come in as the the uh fallback guy if someone gets injured and you just kind of keep Five moving seconds. off the chain right there easy does it one night tournament bring it back baby all right vtor kotor situation happens then you're crying saying it doesn't count what a show this has been, and it's unfortunate we're going to have to call an end to this bad boy. But before we do, we got to go to the truck, to the judge, his honorable, E. Casey Lydon, to render the final decision. The man like Bill Alfonso calls it right down the middle, baby. Bad. Oh, man. Well, first of all, this was the longest show we've ever had. <laughs> Sorry, Casey. Man. I, I, I gotta say, I got up a couple times to get some coffee. I came back, you were still talking about Waffle House. <laughs> I, I admire that, I guess. Um, I don't regret it. No regrets, no regrets. Oh boy, this is a tough one. This is a tough one. Oh. Okay, gotta, wow, man. Gotta, uh. All right. Got my scorecard. Battlegrounds MMA turnout. <laughs> You're a winner. And new. John no! yes! Rossap. Wow. What if the UFC were to put on an event like this and they were able to put together the ultimate gimmick match, Cam Soda style? for the Octagon. If they could pull it off, what would you want to see, Sean Rossap? Davison Figueredo against Stefan Struve. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Davison Figueredo against Stefan Struve. When I got UFC, uh, the video game, the first fight that I fired up was Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson against Stefan Struve. It took me eight times to beat him. <laughs> I would be all for it. I would love to see a tag team grappling match or a fight uh, within a UFC cage. I think that could be just batshit crazy, insane, and something that 
they would never do, but I would love for them to do it. Um, give me night fights for all I care. Uh, load them up in armor and have them swing weapons at each other. But I think it would be the best flyweight in the world against the biggest guy on their roster. That's what I want to see. Wow. 12 seconds to spare. John Rossap going Figgy versus Stefan Struve. Jed has a look in his eye. I can't really read it at this point. I don't know if he's happy about this question, if he's sad about this question. I don't know. I get to talk Cam Soda. I'm, I'm thrilled. All right, before before we let you answer, in like two sentences, describe Cam Soda for those who didn't get to watch it. It's like if your friends put on an MMA show in their backyard but had decent production values, and it's just hilarious. It's the funniest thing. Okay. Well, now we're going to take that idea and that concept and do it in the Octagon where there's they have their own arena. They have their own production. They have all sorts of fun stuff on ESPN. With that being said, Jed, what are we doing? What's the, the ultimate gimmick match? 60 seconds starts now. Look, I, I get where Sean's coming from. It seems fun to do that. But the reality is you got to know your gimmick matches because it just wouldn't work out. Davis and Figueroa would just get laid on. There's too big a size disparity there for that to really be that fun. You need to ratchet it up a couple of weight classes, get like a featherweight in there. Like Max Holloway's kind of big enough to maybe make that a little bit interesting. What you do, it doesn't matter the fighters. I've got preferences. You could pick one or two. One simple thing. Nut shots are legal. You have a fight. All groin strikes are totally legal. If you want to open it up for eye pokes as well, just really take it back, all the way back. Get that Keith Hackney just going for it. it I, it'll change the dynamic. We don't have to deal with the referees, you know, calling things and stopping the action. We just let it run. It's fine. It's beautiful. Uh, you can make it, it that two-on-one so the one guy can just kick one dude low and then have one-on-one. -on -one. It's perfect. Wow. All right, so we have like an actual MMA fight between the flyweight champion and the tallest heavyweight in the, in the UFC. And then we have a fight where we just throw all the rules out the window. Maybe I, eye gouges, but nut shots are okay. I, I've got 12 seconds left. It can be stand and bang rules. That was on the game. <laughs> Dan, or, or as I like to call them, Dan Quinn rules. Uh -huh. No kicks, no takedowns. <laughs> I would accept his answer if if we did Stefan Struve versus Davison Figueredo in the kick fight only rule set because <laughs> that was maybe the best part about Cam Soda. I think Davison Figueredo would probably manage his range better than Stefan Struve in that fight. <laughs> wow. Just one move is just right there for him though. Lights out. Guys, guys, the, the timer ran out. Come on. <laughs> this, is, this is the best episode ever. Casey, now you get to, to take us on home. Who is walking out of the virtual cage with the BTL strap? Well, I'm putting my, you know, my imagination cap on and I'm, I'm visualizing it right now. Oh, man, Stefan Strew versus Figueredo. I, I, I'm actually combining both answers. I, I, I just see Figueredo actually headbutting Stefan Struve in the groin. Headbutts are legal. Headbutts are legal. Man. Both are amazing answers. I have a winner winning the last round by 10 to 9.5. 
I'm a <laughs> the half point system still rules. And new. Oh! I the Munoz Edgar decision. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I won't lie, that was. Uh, that that last one was a tough one because I love your answer, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> that one. was that that was the first thing I was interested in doing oh. on that video game. I was like, all right, and it took me eight attempts to beat Stefan Struve stand and bang mode with Mighty Mouse Johnson. I was ashamed I, of myself. I, I love it. And Bellator is going to be changing networks from Paramount to CBS Sports beginning on October first. Now, some things to note: no more tape delays, which is just excellent news. They're also going to France with the big card. And one thing that people have been talking about, the domestic events in the United States are now gonna take place on Thursday nights, beginning with the Chris Cyborg versus Arlene Bianco fight on October 15th for the featherweight title. And then the Gegard Mousasi, Douglas Lima fight on October 29th for the vacant middleweight title. That's also gonna be on a Thursday night. So while this is definitely a big move, Phoenix, was this a game-changing move? Was this impactful? Did it take Bellator to another level in the grand scheme of things? So 60 seconds are going to be on the clock. There it is. Your time starts now. Hell, MF and yeah. <laughs> okay. And I think that, like, I love Coker because of Strike Force. And we remember all of the great things that happened with Strike Force when they were on Showtime. Showtime in the UFC do not like each other. They were not good partners. Showtime was like, yes, let's work with Bellator again. CBS partner, you know that entire merger, this is all big family. I think that Thursday is a smart decision because then they do, don't have to go up against the UFC, which makes people say, oh, fights are on, and they don't have to pick and choose, which is a game changer as well. Starting with Cyborg, everybody still has an interest in her, even though the Amanda Nunes situation kind of brought her stock down. Even for me, I honestly never thought Cyborg was going to lose, and then now I'll never doubt Nunes ever again. But yes, game, absolute game changer for the company, and it's going to level them up. Jed Mishu, we go to you, the champ. Can he retain his title? We'll wait for 60 seconds to get back on the clock. There we go. Your time starts right now. Mike, I'd like to ask a clarifying question. This time when they're on CBS, are they going to have a pink-haired Seth Petrozelli kill their golden <laughs> goose immediately? Because if not, it's going to be a it, it's going to be a great decision for them. I mean, the last time that was a confluence of really poor events for them that Kimbo got got like that. Um, but that can't happen again. I mean, it, it could, I guess, happen that Chris Cyborg uh, gets defeated, but even so, that that's not going to be nearly as devastating as, as the loss to Seth, Seth Petrozelli on short notice was for Kimbo. Uh, otherwise, I, I think even if, if you took everything else out of it, moving to CBS, there's cachet there. Paramount Network is a fake network. I know it's a rebrand from Spike, but if you ask 10 people what Paramount is, they probably don't know. Spike at least had a brand. So moving to CBS, it has a real solidified brand. That's obviously an improvement. And I love the Thursday night shift because people don't have anything to do on Thursday nights because they have work on Friday. Saturday, you're competing against other television and the world at large. I think Thursday is a great opportunity for them. Sensational move from Scott Coker here. I know one person that's probably going to be pissed about it, or one one, uh, one league, one organization. PFL is probably like, oh, you got to be shitting me right now. But oh, yeah. 
It is what it is. They're are not they, doing anything right now, anyways. I was gonna say, are they they still a league? Is that that's still a thing? That's why we're talking, and I know Casey gets mad when we talk. Oh, okay. Well, Casey, you've been you've been silent long enough here outside of the uh, the normal production work you've had to do, but we now throw it to you, the honorable judge. Who is the winner? First of all, it was great having Phoenix here. A great competition. Um, very sportsmanlike. No um, no faking groin shots here tonight. No faking um, <laughs> sackage shots. Um, so, my winner... The 21-year-old and new oh! Phoenix Carnival. <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh, devastating. I have to tell you, when Phoenix started dropping strike force nuggets, I was like, oh boy, this is going to tickle at the heartstrings of Casey Lydon. Is that, <laughs> is that accurate, Casey? It, it touches me. It, 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 I, was, I, was, I, I, got a little, I got a little fuzzy, a little warm. I thought, that's, I thought that I had it with the Kimbo. I thought going to Kimbo was the game changer. Oh. It's a two-parter. How would we grade the UFC in this Shamayev booking and hype department now since the Mearshart win? And at this point, after hearing him speak, seeing and hearing options, you want Cowboy Oliveira. Why Cowboy Oliveira for December 19th if all goes well this weekend? 60 seconds on the clock and your time starts now. So for grading the UFC, I, I still think they're doing a really good job with it. Even if the Damian Maia fight didn't happen, the double booking thing has built this aura around Hamzat, which is pairing with what he's done to be this indestructible guy, and people are really interested into him. I think at this point, he's probably the fighter of the year. Maybe that changes, but I think booking-wise, they're doing okay. I want to see Cowboy Oliveira. I think that's the best fight that makes for, makes sense for him because Cowboy Oliveira is the kind of right test for development. What we know about Hamzat, I wrote about this actually past weekend, we just know very little about Hamzat at this point. We know he can grapple and he punches hard and he's really good athletically, but we haven't actually seen him fight against a real test and Alex Oliveira is going to athletically challenge him and not just be someone who gets rolled over. I'd like to see him take that step before he got really in there with the top 10 top 15 opponent and then after that double book him for that so do Alex Oliveira and then Chris Weidman said he wanted it fine Chris Weidman you get the business next okay Jed Mishu has given his answer Aaron Bronsetter same question for you 60 seconds on the clock it is Shemayev mania here in 2020 and it continues right now your time starts now I think they've handled it great because we're still wondering who he's going to face like they keep teasing who it's going to be is it going to be Neil Magny is it going to be Throw him in the deep end. Let's have him face Leon Edwards. They don't want to give Leon Edwards a title shot. And everybody thinks this guy is, is like a world beater in, in Shemaev. And that I spoke to a lot of uh, odds makers, and they think that he would be favored over most of the welterweight and middleweight division. Let's fast track this guy. Leon Edwards doesn't want to fight anybody, it seems. Nobody wants to fight Leon Edwards because they, they, they don't think that there's any clout in fighting <laughs> Leon Edwards. Let's chase some clout. Hamzat Shemaev versus Leon Edwards. Let's fast pack this guy right to the top of the welterweight division. The way that he dominated those guys, I'm sold on this guy. I want to see him fight the best of the best already. I know that's that you don't want to fast track guys, and I talked about Pico earlier and all that. Leon Edwards, nobody wants to fight this guy. It seems like they don't want to push him to the championship level. Let's give him Shemaev because if he beats Shemaev, now he beat this guy that everybody thought was going to be unbeatable. And if Shemaev beats him, he's right there in the mix for the title. And I think that they want to fast track this guy. They want to build a big name out of him. So that's my that's my pick. I don't think it's going to happen. But if I had the book, 
Leon Edwards would be his opponent. Jed, what would you like to say in response to this? Because you reacted in just a hilarious way right away, and I and I wonder why. Because he said it himself. Aaron Pico, who knocked out Leandro Ego in spectacular fashion, but giving him Henry Corrales is a bridge too far, and we've ruined this spectacular prospect. Hamza Chimaev has beaten nobody nearly as good as Leandro Ego, and we're going to give him Leon freaking Edwards? Have we Let's lost our Let's do it. Fast track time. Fast track time. Let's go. Let's go. Everybody's confident in this guy. Everybody says he's going to be a champion one day. Let's get the ball rolling. A man who out of both sides of his mouth deserves to have them permanently closed. Let's get the ball rolling. Let's get the ball rolling. (laughs) Leon Edwards, baby. You want a good main event? Give him him one of the top guys. Also, Leon Edwards has never produced a good main event either. What are we talking about now? now? Don't you think people would want to tune in to see what would happen in that fight? See if this I mean, guy's for real. And Leon, and Edwards, Leon Edwards smokes him. Now, so now Leon Edwards is like, wow, he beat that guy that nobody thought he was going to beat. I don't think anyone cares about Leon Edwards for But they would after he beat Shemaev. If they hype up Shemaev and say, this guy's, this guy's the next guy. This guy's the guy to beat. Questionable at best. He's still Leon Edwards. And Leon Edwards doesn't fight wrestlers ever. So now you got a good wrestler that's going to challenge him in that regard. I think it would be a fun fight. And I think, I think people would tune in to see it. Wow. I, I honestly, I mean, this, this whole game has been two differing opinions, and I love it so much. Just, I, I, I want five more questions. People are going to kill me for saying he's fighting Leon Edwards. Everybody thinks that this guy, oh, he hasn't beaten anybody. Look at what he does in the cage. The guy's a monster. He's, he's just an absolute beast. He's crushing people. Pretty easy and to be are, a monster. And you talk about Pico. They're grabbing <laughs> people from the regional scene for Pico to face. These are UFC fighters he's, he's beating. Right. Hamza Chimaev is a monster because he dump trucked John Phillips, who put a phenomenal grappling display on against hey, John. John Phillips has a UFC win. And Gerald Mearshart has the most submission wins in uh, middleweight history. You heard of him? He's good. Good fight. Yeah, Gerald Mearshart looked that was like his step he was up. That was the step up of Gerald Mearshart. And how did he respond to that? Gerald Mearshart looked defeated instantaneously and then actually was defeated instantaneously. So it worked out really well. Yeah, well, that was the test. Everybody said that was the big test. Let's see how he does against this guy. Pass the test with flying colors. So let's, you know, let's see it. Fast track the guy. I'll tell you what. No matter how I feel or Jed feels or Aaron feels, it only comes down to the opinion of one man, and that man is the judge, E. Casey Lydon. And I know how Casey thinks about this whole situation, or at least how he did when this whole phenomenon started. So I am fascinated to hear who is going to come out victorious. So we turn it over to you, Casey. What do you think? You've heard the arguments. How do you rule? Well, first of all, good day, gentlemen. Um, I don't understand why we have a minute timer. (laughs) Let's just put that out there. Rebuttals in this round as well. I was in there for the minute, and everybody started asking questions. Whew. You know, I, I actually I I made my decision at the minute point, but then at the two minute point I kind of changed, and at the three minute point I was like, hmm, a lot of good arguments here. So you're making me work overtime now. It's a draw, isn't it? Yeah. The majority draw. <laughs> the the mustache picks somebody. <laughs> oh man, uh, I feel like the, I feel like there was a groin shot in there somewhere. Could they could count? Um, all right. Your winner. Mr. Jed Mashu. Oh, man. That was the only rightful decision. I already won in regulation anyway, so. 
That's how we get here. And you can even either go at this moment or how it could play out at the end of the year, because we still have two months to go, still have some fights to play out that can determine this answer more definitively. So as of right now, Jed Mishu, who is the 2020 female fighter of the year in the UFC? Who could it be by the end of the year? Who do you think it is? 60 seconds on the clock. Your time starts now. Oh, man. That is a good one. Um, <laughs> and I hate now being on the spot with this. I'm so glad uh, you went first. I'm so glad yeah, you went I would, first. I have a little, a little bit of regret in, in, in regards <laughs> to that, frankly. Uh, female fighter of the year. I... I naturally just want to say Valentina Shevchenko um, because she is obviously going to win uh, later this year. And it's hard for me to think of a number of uh, women who have really stood out uh, as far as putting together a lot of wins that are super relevant uh, in the division. Whereas instead, I mean, you have Shevchenko who got a nice TK over Chukagian uh, and we'll get a, another nice finish there uh, coming up in December, I think. No, or into this month, not December, sorry, when she takes on Jennifer Maya. Um, so I'm going to give her her the lead there. Uh, yeah, let's go Valentina Shevchenko. Can't go wrong with the bullet train. There you go. All right, Sean, same question for you. Probably pays off for you that you got to go second. 60 seconds on the clock. 2020 Female Fighter of the Year in the UFC. Who is it now? Who could it be? Your time starts right now. Man, that is tough. And I hadn't even considered how tough this question was until you you asked it. And I was sort of sitting here thinking about it. Because I think Jed's right. There isn't an obvious answer. And I think both the defaults that you would default to, Valentina or Amanda, neither of them have resumes that would blow you away because Jed said Valentina I'll go ahead and say Amanda and I was going to say Amanda anyway I mean let's assume that Amanda gets by Megan Anderson at this point she has been a two division champion in the UFC defending both belts for how long at this point a year and a half two years like that's just outrageous I know the featherweight aspect of that makes it weird that's not a real division in some sense but she's still defending that title against actual featherweights if she gets through Megan Anderson in addition to getting through Felicia Spencer to me that's at least something uh, I would say Amanda Nunes would get it just because, again, carrying two belts at once, man, that's she's doing it at this point for almost two years. That's outrageous. That's ridiculous. So she should get it. She's the she's the female goat. Get women fighter of the year. It's been a weird year. I would give it to her. See, it's an interesting question because, oh. I mean, I was basically weighing it the same way. And then as we, were, we kept talking, there's a couple other names that kind of like sprinkled in. One, Amanda Hebas. One is Amanda Hebas. I know exactly who we should have said now, Sean. I know who Casey would have picked if we had said it, and I won't say it because I don't want to, you know, throw that that salt and I, I want to let a true answer be rendered, but we both screwed up, Sean. We both screwed up hard. Now that you're th- saying that, I think I know the same person. I, I bet you do. Yeah, now that you said that, I know what. I should have pandered to my audience. I didn't realize I was yeah, pandering. Yeah, you got to play to the audience. And you guys didn't pander. tell me that Casey fixed this. I needed to pander to Casey. We missed the layup is all I'm saying. <laughs> great, an- great great, answers, gentlemen. Great answers. <laughs> great answers, let me just say. Tough question, but great answers. Um, winner by default. <laughs> Mr. Shaheen Alshadeh. Yeah, yeah, baby! Oh. What is the default? Is the default <laughs> to you before you read the cards? 
Oh man, Casey, let me just say that your mustache is gorgeous. I'm jealous of your mustache. You made the right call. I am so glad. Uh, you're such a wonderful man, Casey. You really are. You're, you're such a smart, intelligent, bright young man. You have a great future ahead of you. Five rounds with Felicia Spencer. Valentina Shevchenko just obliterated Kaylin Chikagi. Jed, Amanda just had a baby. You will respect that. Yeah, but that's not fighter of the year. Also, she didn't have the baby. She was party to the baby. This is the last chance that happens in 2020. So 2021, we're looking at, it's a clean slate, but these champions are going to go into 2021. Two and a half is the over-under number, how many of those titles will will be lost. So we're going to put 60 seconds on the clock. Your time starts now. For next year, for 2021, I'm going to say under here. I don't see anyone beating anybody in the division right now. You know, I think Figueroa is going to hold on to it. I think uh, Stipe holds on. I, I think he defends once a year. He ended it all. So if he doesn't vacate, there's part of your under right there. Israel Adesanya is not losing the middleweight belt anytime soon. If he beats Jan Bohovic, there's the one. I don't think anyone's beating Usman anytime soon in that division. And at 55, if Khabib really comes back, I don't see anyone beating him. You know, and we don't know who the champion's going to be then if Khabib does vacate the title. If he does, and it's Connor versus Dustin, I think if Dustin wins, um, you know, that's an interesting that, that division to me would be the only one that's really open that would change. You know, 45 right now. It's a tough one in 35. Again, you know, we have a situation where there is no champ. I think if Aljermaine Sterling versus Yad happens and Aljo wins, I don't know who's beating him in the bottom, in the top five anytime soon. I really love Aljo there. All right. That was harder than I thought it was going to be. Shit. Welcome to Between the Links, Ian Parker. Welcome to you. Dude. Like Welcome it. I like the, the pressure. I like the pressure. Je- All right, Jed. Here we go. You had a little more time to think about this. Over or under two and a half champions. We'll lose their titles in the UFC in 2021. Well, Your time first I'd now. like to say I'm really glad that Casey's back because you can't be trusted and you make terrible decisions. So I no longer have to be concerned with your bad choices. So that's a win for everybody. Uh, as far as your question, I am smashing the over. I think Jan is gone. Alger's taking the belt from him. Stipe, gone. Whoever he fights, be it John Jones or Francis Ngannou or even Curtis Blade, taking the title from him. I think Izzy's probably going to be forced to vacate the uh, middleweight belt after he takes the light heavyweight belt from Jan Bohovic. So there's another one. Habib's going to actually retire, leave the sport, and that lightweight title is going to start doing a round robin amongst contenders. Uh, I think featherweight's probably safe. Most of the women's titles are safe unless Amanda Nunes decides she wants to walk away from the sport. But the coup de grace, the piece de resistance, Leon Edwards, Breakout fighter of 2021. He's going to beat Hamzat Shemaev. He's going to take the welterweight title from Kamara Usman, just like I'm about to get my belt back from Al Shadi. All right. Well, listen, before we... uh... Yeah, I got a question. I got a question about his response. And I just want to make sure I understood this. You said that vacating did not count as a title change, if I'm correct. So if you take away all those vacates that Jed just said, I think only one champion out of all that wins apparently according to jed yeah. seven people are vacating their title he <laughs> yeah, said Stipe, Jan, and usman are all done and you said I, 55 was gonna be a round robin of new champions so there are yeah, vacant so if, if we're retired, adding vacates, 
If Roddick vacates, Jed said like nine titles are gonna change. Yeah, gonna that's it. Yeah. <laughs> now we turn it over to Casey, the judge. You've heard the arguments. How do you rule in this matchup, sir? <laughs> Very good arguments on both sides, gentlemen. We had one under, one over. I see what both of you are saying. I made my decision. Your winner this week, mostly because he kissed my ass, Jed Mishu. Ah. Oh. oh. See, Ian, you, you, it's your first time on. You're going to learn from this experience and realize that in the lightning round, you got to suck up to Casey. One, on a scale of one to 10, how excited are you to see what Bellator does in 2021? And two, if we can get there, what's the one thing you'd like to see them do that they didn't do all that well in 2020 to make their 2021 the best it can be? We're going to put 60 seconds on the clock. Your time starts right now. What was the first question again? Sorry. On a scale of one to 10, how excited are you to see what Bellator does in 2021? Got it. Go. Uh, nine and a half to 10. I mean, look, I'm, I'm that dude. I'm the Yoel Romero dude. And they signed him. Like they signed maybe the best middleweight in the world. Like, and he gets to go in and compete. I mean, Malky Kawa tweeted today, 185, 205 heavyweight. All I've wanted for years is Yoel to just stop cutting weight and compete at 205, go up and fight heavyweights and do weird Yoel things up there where he'll be even better. Like, Give me Yoel versus Vadim Nemkov. Give me Yoel versus Gegard Mousasi. Give me Yoel versus everybody in one damn night. I'm so here for it. And like, that's all they needed to do was sign him. Plus, I think there's a chance Bellator can pick up some more signees. Like, I think the thing that I think that I would like to see the most from them is something they have been publicly shying away from recently, which is pick up more UFC castoffs because they're about to be a bunch of big name fighters from the UFC let go. Uh, and I want to see that talent in Bellator. I want to see Yoel versus Jacare too. I want to see Rumble versus Yoel. I want to see all that. So give me that and, and let's do it. All right. I like the answer. Sean, we go to you championship on the line in these final 60 seconds although you could probably get 65 since jed kind of abused his time a little bit same question for you scale one to ten how excited are you to see what bellator does in 2021 and also if you have time what's one thing you'd like to see them do better in 2021 that they didn't do so well in 2020 your time starts now i mean i'm at a solid eight or nine at this point today the the yoel romero signing combined with the anthony johnson signing just opens up a world of possibilities and doors that they could sort of explore now uh that roster especially light heavyweight their light heavyweight roster right now is actually very comparable to the ufc's and i can't remember a time in recent history where another promotion has had a division that is comparable i think if you line up their top five it's actually not like that big of a difference the, the number one contender in the ufc right now glover Teixeira. Had, three of his last four losses have been to current Bellator guys. Like th this is a very weird setup that we haven't had in a long time. I'm very excited about it. And as for a thing they can do better in 2020 or 2021, two things. One, the commentary. The commentary is not very good. The production just in general is is is, is not make for a 
fun watch. I don't know that the, the McCarthy Josh Thompson mix works, but also uh, the cage size. The cage is dis- is still terrible. None of this changes the fact that the cage is terrible. The circle is bad. The, it, it makes for a bad viewing experience. It's too big. It makes for boring fights more often than not. The cage size in general is a terrible thing, and we should change it. Oh man, I I know where this is going already. I already know where the judging is going. I know. Casey, go ahead. I know already. I already know who's going to win. Man, I had my decision picked about 15 seconds left, and then you had to go to the cage. <laughs> you. Oh. Started oh. that cage after time had expired, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. Can we go to. Sudden death? Oh, man. Okay, okay, okay. I got it. There's only five rounds. Your winner. Oh, this hurts. This hurts. And new Jed Mishu. I can always tell a little bit that Casey seems so pained by the fact that he's going to I can hear it in his voice. It's like, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. I thought when Sean mentioned the cage size, I was like, it's a wrap, dude. I, I, I thought it was over. It was uh, well done. Know, I agree. I was a little concerned when Sean went to the cage. My one saving grace is that he, Casey was just, he's being a gentleman and doing what you didn't have the guts to do because Sean knows I worked it in the fourth and you just didn't have the balls to call it there. <laughs> so Casey just covered it back. Me and Michelle Vejero. This is all very ridiculous. This is all very ridiculous. I'm pretty sure that guy said I agree with Sean about seven different times on this show. I don't know how that happens. Casey, I thought we were friends. Uh, I don't believe in your cage crusade anymore, and, and I can't believe you just did this to me. Good stuff, gentlemen. Thank you. Uh, thank you for joining us. A little friendly panel. It will not be as friendly the next time we get together, I'm sure. But for all of you... Thank you for watching. As always, big thanks to Casey Lydon, our judge on the production side, for his incredible work this year on the program, the iconic voice of Esther Lynn. We miss her at MMA Fighting. But for Jed, AK, I am Mike Heck. Thanks for joining us once again between the links. Good night, everybody. Love you guys. This has been Between the Links with your host, Mike Heck. Brought to you by MMA Fighting, a production of Vox Media. Listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.